this is Marnie with Maxim and Marnie, a fun podcast that I get to do where I get to interview people from my church community. Maxim is a synonym for truth, um, so we like to get into people's stories, and I feel so honored that so many people have volunteered. And today we have somebody that's especially rallying, um, so we have Chris Brown here. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I was going to ask you to sing, but he has a little bit of a headache, so I'm not going to make you sing today. Uh, and I uh, yeah, because we don't want a headache from hearing him sing. Well, oh I wouldn't gosh. have a headache. Thanks. I love hearing you sing. If you worship at Celebration, he's our worship leader. Uh, and you do other things at the main campus, too. Um, but where are you from? Where, did you, uh, where were you born? I was born in Omaha, Nebraska. I moved here, actually moved to Bolingbrook in 1976 when I was six years old on July 4th. Oh, how and funny. I remember coming across, I think it was I-5 at that point, which is 88 now. Um, but I remember coming into the Bolingbrook area and seeing uh, Old Chicago, if you guys are familiar with. The bar? No, Old no. Chicago was this huge indoor amusement park. It was like, oh. um, what was it? What's up? Like in, Santa's like, Village? Like Disney? No, no, no. Like What's Disney up in World? Minneapolis? Uh, the oh, Mall of America. Mall of America. It was kind of that concept. It was just way too early. So there was a mall on the outside of this thing, and there was uh, roller coasters and stuff inside the middle of this park. Never heard um, of it. Wow. Yeah. And and that was in Bowlingbrook. Yeah, and I saw fireworks shooting over the top of this thing, and it was it was kind of a... So who thing. was in your family that was moving with you? So it was me and my brother, Mark, who is nine years older than I am. He calls it 10 because we're, I was born 70, he was in 60, but uh-huh. there's only a couple months difference there. But uh, he moved here with me and my parents, and we moved into Bolingbrook, like I said, in 76. So why? Because your parents were both from Omaha? My dad grew up in Chicago. Okay. And he got a job working for Weyerhaeuser uh, and came back here to work in Chicago again. So job moves. So yes. moved to Omaha, but he was a native boy here. Correct. So then you moved back here and grandparents and cousins and such or small family? Um, well, I have a huge family, but on living here in this area, I didn't have a lot of family. Wasn't that? Yeah. My mom said, I'm the 50th grandchild. The Whoa. 50th grandchild. 50th. So how many kids did your grandma and grandpa have? So my grandma and grandpa had... 15 kids. Yes, they did. Uh, one, one of them passed away at a very young age, so really four, 14. And then I have an aunt and uncle that have 17 kids. I heard. Whoa. Yeah, no I heard that Chris was ranked uh, 27 for favorite grandchild. Oh, <laughs> out of the 50? Congra- congratulations. Yeah, number, grandma and yeah, grandpa. I made it all the way up to 27. She told right. me. So this yeah. is grandma and grandpa Brown, or this is grandma and grandpa on your maternal side? On maternal side, Christofferson. Christofferson. And the, and then you had an uncle that then had 17. Yeah, it's And where crazy. did they live? Uh, Montana. <laughs> did they have a ranch? Um, I don't know because I've never been there. You need to go and hang I, out with the I seventeen know, but it's, it's children. Absolutely crazy. So, are they, wait, religious background? Like, are they all Mormons? Are they no, they're, no, Catholic? They're, just having a real good time. <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. I think that. Do you think that's fun? Do you think that's appealing to you? Like, or are oh, you it's like, crazy that's... when we get together for family reunions. It's just it's nutty. So the week before Tammy and I got married, she came to my family reunion. Where she met everybody. There were, I think, two hundred and forty-eight yes. people there, and she was a little overwhelmed, especially the week before her wedding. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. It I was think crazy. there's a real beautiful richness to that. Yeah. Uh, have you ever gone to the Southside Parade in Chicago? No. And there will be like families that are mm-hmm. marching, yep. and it'll be like a hundred people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, awesome. Oh, who are they representing? Oh. Just the, I don't know, say an Irish yeah. name, and they'll just be them. The old Hennessy's, and they're just the ones doing it. I love that. I think that's fun. So when you were growing up, it was you and your brother, but a significant age difference. So yeah. when you were 10, he, was he out of the house? So, yes. So he left for the Marines when I was nine. So I was basically an only child, and I do have two other uh, siblings as well. So I have a sister that's 16 years older than me, and then a brother that's 17 years older than me. Were you an oops or just yes, a, I, yeah. or a surprise? <laughs> yeah, you hit it right on the head. But a welcomed oops. Yeah. 
I, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they, they, they look at that that way now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because I I've got some uh, <laughs> some cards, you know, back from when my mom wrote to my grandma saying, you know, that she was pregnant and stuff. And <laughs> their, their reactions are kind of, kind of interesting. Right, because yeah. they were like, They're like, oh, okay. Because when you were born, there was a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, I mean wow. that's. You're going back to diapers and you're graduating a kid. That, think about doing that right now with Riley. Yeah. You and Tam- <gasps> Do you and Tammy have an announcement? <laughs> That's why he came on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Riley, get ready. That would be really exciting. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about you grew up here, you went to high school here, and were you a singer in high school? Yeah, I grew up singing since I was very, very young. My family, when we got together at church, I mean, we always kind of stood together. My sister was doing harmony and I sang harmony off that. And I was always the In harmonizer. In your blood. It was just always there. You heard it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, your brain thinks in a different way. Yeah, and when I went to elementary school, because I, I went to Oakview Elementary School in Bolingbrook, um, we were on a thing called the track system instead of having summers off, you know, three months off in the summer. We went to school year-round, so it was... 45 days on, 15 days off. And there's A, B, C, and D track. So, Did you like that? Well, for me as a kid, it was, was kind of cool. Um, I was, even when I was out of school, though, I was back at school in the chorus room. Yeah. And I was singing all the time. So and the choir teacher, what, just said, yeah, please come in, let's play. He was awesome. Um, and it was very interesting how that whole scenario even happened as well, because I was in first grade and my teacher heard me sing. I don't know how she heard me sing, but I was probably humming or doing something and said, you should go audition for choir. I'm going, no, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in choir. first grade, Chris. like, I don't want to be in choir. (sighs) And then she contacted the choir director. He came in and she goes, would you at least just sing into a tape recorder for me? So I sang into a tape recorder, and she ended up taking it to him, and he listened to it, and then he came back and said, you need to be in choir. Well, you probably didn't even know what choir was, right? Like, for them to even say, well, did I you d- even know what that was? I mean, I, I did, but it was, you know, because I came to Bolingbrook when I was you know, six years old, so I was just starting first grade at that point. Didn't really know anybody. Right. And, uh, so I was very, I was kind of shy at that point, and... But this guy then really, what, what did he do for you? Like through fifth grade or through sixth grade? Uh, th- there's a whole nother interesting story there because I sang with him uh, all the time up through third grade, actually into fourth grade. And then fourth grade at uh, two days before my, before Christmas break ended, my school burnt down. <laughs> a fire. Yeah, a fire. <laughs> Full, full fire full fire burns the thing to the how, ground how did how did you start it <laughs> was this Shh, a brick what? building yeah and bricks and, just burned to the ground well it was interesting because the the school because of the track system and everything it was i think one of the first open concept classrooms so we didn't have brick walls we had dividers that divided all the different classrooms so you would hear other people teaching oh yeah it was it was loud yeah it was loud interesting so it burns to the ground it, and it, then it where do down, you go burn, to school burns to the point where we could not go to couldn't school. go to school and, and then what happens uh then i got shipped to northview elementary school so they split up everybody not everybody went to the same place yeah it got totally did split, they try which, to tell your parents that, like um look he's been in fake school the whole time <laughs> <laughs> and nothing counts it yeah, just nothing started counted over. after that <laughs> You had to start it first. Yeah, but uh, that really that really affected me because all of a sudden my choir was gone. Uh, well, I mean, and your social circle because you're not going with a group that you've now known. You're meeting new people, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that was a formative thing. Well, and they also, what they had to do because of that, they had, we went to school in the morning from like, I think it was, I don't know, 7.30 to 11.30, and then... Their school, Northview, came in and did their school the second half of the day from like so 12 to 4. when you were in fourth grade, you were at home like at noon. Yeah. Oh, and how we, and weird. And we had, we had no gym. You know, we didn't have... Bare the, basics. It was, no, you're coming there for school and then boom, you go home. Crazy how it's evolved. And then fifth grade, I got shipped to Romeoville 
uh, and went to R.C. Hill in Romeoville for my fifth grade year. So another new beginning. Another new beginning. And then is sixth grade junior high? Yeah. So then, and then you go then to, everything became normal. Then yeah. your three years middle school, junior yeah. high, and then high school. And what was junior high? You were in choir, involved in. Um, I did band, so oh, yeah, what did you play? Drums. I was a drummer. Hmm. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I knew that. And yeah. then high school. High school, I I was in choir. I was in band. I was doing. You know, a ton musicals? of music things, yes. Musicals. Were you the star of the musical? Uh, junior year was the first time I did a musical, and I was Curly in Oklahoma. I feel like every high school does Oklahoma. Yeah. Mine did Oklahoma. Did you kiss a girl on stage? Yes, I did. Was that your first kiss, or was that like... No, that was not my first oh, kiss. My excuse first kiss me, was, what was your first kiss? Uh, that was back in first, second grade. Second grade? You came in yeah. hot to Bolingbrook. <laughs> Janine Abraham. Janine Abraham, yeah, where that. were you? In my garage in between the cars. <laughs> Whoa! Yep, I totally Just a peck that. on the cheek or on the lips? No, it was on the lips. You were a bold young man. <laughs> yeah. You prefaced yeah. that by saying, I was really shy in first or second grade. I say that's well, not shy. Well, I still am really shy, and most people don't see that side of me because. You can perform on stage. Yeah. And yeah. so that's a contradiction. I'm much more introverted than people think, but I know that about myself, and I've been trying to work through a lot of that, and I will assert myself when I think I need to. Um, wait a second, because I feel like actually that is a contradiction that exists a lot with celebrities or performers. Mm-hmm. You know, like they can be up on stage, they're not interacting with a person face to face, but like that is how they communicate with the world. Mm-hmm. And then so you're saying, I feel comfortable up there. Mm-hmm. But then when you come down, the struggle is interacting with people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, even um, on Sunday morning. So yeah. we get done, we do our first yep. two songs, and I step down yep. to welcome everybody. Yep. There's there's an uneasiness for me doing that. Well, Holy Toledo, you would never know. You really sell that hard. So you are really, what, just... Pushing yourself out of your limits because it seems very comfortable. It seems very natural to the person sitting there. It is, and people have said that. But, I mean, I think that's part of the nature of what I do as well, too. And and knowing that I have to do that and knowing that I have to kind of push through. And, I mean, that is part of what I do. And it has become much easier over the years of doing it. But it's still that, that first step. Coming down and doing that. Wait, let's back up. Let's back up. Okay. We've moved too far. Okay. <laughs> so high school, you're curly. You kiss a girl on stage. We're mm-hmm. not going to talk about Janine in the garage. And then you graduate high school and you go where? To Northern Illinois University. I already know this because mm-hmm. if you listen to Caleb, Kristen. Um, did you listen to her episode? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. Sure. So I love that. So we already know that then you get into the a cappella group at NIU. Yeah, a and local that, jazz group called Northern Lights. And you loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. So fun. Yeah. These are your people. Yep. These are your tribe. Yeah, and I was in university chorus and concert choir. Uh, I was on the drum line up at Northern, so I played in band up there as well. And um, are you, have you maintained those relationships that you made in that place, or have those faded over the years? Um, with just most life? of them have faded away. It's been cool, obviously, with Facebook and being yes. able to reconnect with that. Um, I don't know if you know Ron Golminus, who's one of our drummers that yeah. plays up on Oh, stage. glasses, black hair. No nope. glasses. Nope. Really super tall. Um, hmm. His... His boys are tall as well, and his wife is kind of a tall blonde as well. Yeah, Sandy. we'll have to have him on. You'll you'll, oh, you'll see him play. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's a person from that. Yes, he was on the drum line with me. Oh, how fun! Yeah, and now he's here. Yeah, so yeah. and it was interesting because you know he was at the other campus, at the Our Savior's campus, and I saw him just randomly, you know, with me bouncing back and forth. And, you know, we'd say hi, but never really connected again. Then finally, uh, I was like, I got to get him to play. And we reconnected that way. Can I just apologize to the Golminus family, whose only description I've used today is tall. (laughs) (laughs) Strong. Strong, beautiful, glamorous, leggy. Family, but they're tall. (laughs) 
the more features of that. Yeah. That's all that came out of my mouth. We'll have to have him on. Um, he listens to podcasts. Like he's oh, he's one well, of the, maybe he's on there then. Um, yeah, he's he's a big listener of Talk About God. Oh, okay. I so don't know he's that he's ta- taken onto this. Taken yet. on this one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll let him know. Well, so then tell me your journey. So then you graduate college with a degree like in performing or in musical education or what? What's very interesting, well, I went for music education. So you thought, I will go and be a choir teacher. Yeah, that that was the direction that I was heading. Okay. But I went to school for four years Mm -hmm. and, uh, and left there without a degree. Because you just, what, didn't finish like one last class? No, there was... This is kind of a long story, too, but uh, I'll try and keep it succinct. Um, I was in a motorcycle, a severe motorcycle accident where I got broadsided by a pickup truck at the end of my junior year. And I had a friend on the back of my bike with me, and he was, he was put into intensive care for two months. Um, it really, it, that messed with me in a very big way. Um, I was hurting. I was actually, I just got He a con- survived. He survived. Okay, thank I had God. A, yeah. I had a compound fracture in my right leg. Um, is in a lot of pain. But and he was severely hurt. He's hospitalized and you're hospitalized, your physical body. So are you out of school at this point? No. Well, I was out of school for a couple weeks, but then I went back and was trying to just get to class when I could. Right. Um, grades dropped a little bit from that, but I was on a music scholarship up there as well. Um, and what was interesting about this whole scenario is that my voice teacher did not want me to do vocal jazz anymore, which is the acapella group that Kristen had seen me in. He said that it was ruining my voice. And I had a teacher who was teaching that, uh, Mona Wiss, who's also over at North Central College now. Uh, she studied with my vocal teacher and went in and said, okay, I this is not the case. I don't see any problem with this. I don't understand why you're giving them such a hard time. Um, and ultimately, that ended up... It, it, it Just all the political stuff that went on with that. I had teachers that rallied behind me and were there to support me. And then I had people that were against me and didn't want me to you know, continue doing what I was doing. And I loved doing the vocal jazz stuff. I loved doing university chorus. And it just... It was a really tough time, and ultimately, I ended up leaving after four years and didn't have a degree. Yes. So. And then, did you ride a motorcycle after? No. Yes. So that was just traumatic, and you were like, "And I'm out, and I'm done." Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I finished. I went for my fourth year. Um, you know, I was on probation with my scholarship, and ultimately, the last half of my senior year. You know, they pulled my scholarship from me, and my parents wanted me to come home. I said, no, I've got commitments that I've made here mm-hmm. you know, to finishing off to these different groups that I was a part of. And uh, I at least wanted to finish off doing those, which ultimately ended up paying off for me. You know, while I didn't have the degree at the end, um, I walked away with great relationships with the professors that had backed me up. Mm-hmm. And one of them called me up and you know, the Christmas after or right before the Christmas after I left school and said, hey, we desperately need a bass to sing down at McCormick Place doing some Christmas caroling. Would you want to do that? Oh, my And that was gosh. Mona, who is at North Central now. And I said, yeah, because I'd do anything for her. She was there to support me and whatever. She goes, oh, by the way, you get paid very well, too. Awesome. So went there and sight read the heck out of the, the music sing with this group and uh, started to give some of my costume back that they had given to me, like a top hat and ascot and that sort of thing afterwards. And, uh, yeah, he goes, well, do you want to do some more caroling? And so that was my audition. It was audition by fire. You know, it was like here. And how long have you been doing that then? So how many years is 28 that? 28 years now I've been in this Christmas caroling group. That is epic. Yeah, it's it's on WGN. Yes, yeah. I've it, seen it, it through the years. You know, called I've the Caroling Party, the and uh, I, I'm showing you, a video right now of Chris lot. singing on WGN. That's so. epic. So then you do that, mm-hmm. and so then um, how? Then you go, you move back home. How, wait, I have to back up. How was the relationship with that friend? 
were they were you guys able like to be friends or was that Oh, after the motorcycle accident? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um it's another one of those that kind of faded away. They he had been in an accident with another friend of his that ended up I think he lost his life doing something and they're like don't worry, we understand what you're going through. Um, you know, we're not going to sue or anything like that. And ultimately, a couple years later, they ended up suing. You know, but it, you know, they, oh. you know, it was insurance stuff that was all taken care of. Yeah. But um, yeah, never kind of lost touch with him. I don't know where he's at at this. But point. I mean, like it ended like in not like a angry way like you were able no, to walk no, away no, no, in a no, space no. They were, of like they were, grace and all they of that. were extremely loving and caring they cared about me that's so huge because yeah. i just feel like yeah. yeah we had a friend at a youth group and she was driving the car and the girl died in the accident and she was the one driving and i think sometimes to carry that i don't know like that's yeah, so mean, hard i it, feel like not and it's certainly not her fault it was an accident i'm just saying yeah and it was really hard because you know we were just out on this country road right. came to a four-way or what i think what i thought was a four-way stop but we had stopped because we had the stop sign and i said which way do you want to go yeah i think he said well let's just go straight mm-hmm. and i started to go i don't know if i thought that there was a stop sign right or if i didn't see the truck coming from the right or not. And I right. just started to go and bam, there were, I think there were 50 feet of skid marks before he hit us. Yeah. So he was trying to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's 55 miles an hour, but whatever he was doing. Right. You know, so we got, we got crushed. Yeah. And I remember laying on the ground, looking over, he was laying face down, head turned to the side and blood coming down, mm-hmm. down his head. Uh, I was yelling to him. He wasn't responding. I remember then people coming up to me and uh, trying to talk to me and ask me, you know, yeah, am I okay? Yeah. What it, you know, and I remember just rattling off phone numbers. Call my mom, rattle off, and, and just yeah. just doing that. And then finally I remember I must have just gone into shock because yeah. I don't remember much after that. Right. Um, what were your parents like? Um, well, being that I came so late, my parents were much older. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, extremely hard worker, always worked uh, the night shift, whatever she did. So she was... Overnight. O- overnight. So she, yeah. She used to be a nurse and then came to Illinois. Then she waited tables at Perkins Cake and Steak. Um, always working the late night shift. Um, you know, my dad working during the daytime. And that was really just so they could take care of me. You know, the best they can, and uh, you know, my mom would get home early in the morning, be there for me as I was going off to school. She would sleep, come home from school. She's there making dinner, you know, makes dinner, goes to sleep, you know, gets up and uh, goes to work. And then she ended up working at Pepperidge Farm after that. So, uh, you know, kind of doing the same sort of thing. But she never got much sleep at all, and it was always, you know, just spread out. She'd sleep whenever she could. Ugh, you know, get that's rough. Three, four hours here. You know, but she did, I mean, she really took care of the family. And, you know, my dad was a very large man. You know, he was 350 pounds, something like that, 360. Uh, as I was growing up, they were always there to support me, whatever I did. But, uh, you know, he'd throw the ball around with me for a little bit and get tired very quickly. Uh-huh. He was diabetic. He had sleep apnea. Um, just he had a lot of issues that way, and was on medication. And that's I could go into another whole story with my dad too. But uh, a happy just, man. Oh yeah, my dad was always kidding, kidding around, uh, making jokes with people. Often um, he would give people nicknames, whether they liked it or not. But. I know that his intentions were never ill-willed towards anybody. It was always making fun, trying to make light of things. And uh, sometimes it, people so, didn't like that. Something that I've learned about Chris. So his dad's name is Charlie. Mm-hmm. Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where I've like razzed him and I've called Chris like a nickname. And have learned over the years that that was one of the languages that essentially that your dad used. In, yeah. And so it's not always constructive to say something like, uh, like a nickname with Chris. <laughs> so like, cause I'm, we work closely together and yeah. 
I am not a, I'm a serious person, but I'm not a serious person. And so I've learned kind of, uh, where, where you share that, like it wasn't, I, I know it wasn't ill intended, but it wasn't always taken as, um, love language either when received, like it, it was maybe yeah, a little rough on it, you at times. Yeah. It was most definitely rough on me. And, you know, I dealt with it and it wasn't a bad thing, but I felt it was worse when I heard my dad saying things to other people, especially and when you it, knew when, he was like trying to be funny, but he was like oh swinging yeah. and missing. Yeah. yeah. He, and he yeah. didn't quite always know when he was missing. Right. So I, and I know when I get to that point too, cause I'll make fun of Riley's friends or, you know, play, right. play around You're with trying them. To... However, I always tell them if I ever say or do anything to you, Please tell me because the last thing I want to do, right. you know, if, if I say something to you, you don't like me calling right. you a name or whatever. It's like, just let me know. That's, right. If I'm that far off the mark. And that right there is the authentic Chris Brown. Like you uh, care. He cares so deeply yes. about how his words are received mm-hmm. by people. And he's cautious um, because he wants to have fun with you. But I think you realize um, yeah. You're so, very sensitive to that, which is interesting because having that modeled could go one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. Right? So the fact that you've taken that in and then yep. do that with it. Yeah. Um, so tell me about, so yeah, so t- I want to know about your how your career leads you, but then I also just really want to get to you falling in love with Tammy. <laughs> how my career, well, which way do you want to go? Uh, go career first, because yeah. I think you do a little career before you meet her, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, okay. So lead me that way. So you get out of college, you're living at home, I, I you're doing home. the caroling, but that's not uh, paying well, your bills all actually, the year, right? Or Yeah, I started doing the caroling right away, and then um, my it was the year after I started the caroling was when Akrock started, my okay. acapella group. Which you did for? Which I did for 25 years. Wow. Yeah, so that started up. I was also working for a company. I'm trying to remember the name of the company now. Um, it was General Electric Supply. So I, I was running an order picker where I was running around picking up parts for electronic stuff that we were mm-hmm. sending out. Um, and I was just starting to do the acapella thing at that point. You know, still doing the caroling thing. Um, and my buddy said, hey, do you want to come sell carpet with me down on the south side of Chicago. And I'm like, uh, not really. He goes, I'll let you go sing whenever you want. Go on. So okay. super flexible. So all of a sudden it became this thing. And I always thought that the acapella thing was really going to be a, a weekend thing. Sure. So I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. Mm-hmm. So I went down there and I started uh, selling carpet. And as Pastor Brian is pulling up on his phone right now, he's pulling up pictures of when I did a commercial for Chicago Carpet. I was trying to get I, I, my job as a producer is to just give Marnie information when it's needed. So you you not only sold carpet, but you helped them in their advertisements. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I helped them with their advertisements. I, I wrote a jingle for them. Um, that was played on TV, and I was also Rajul the Genie. Rajul the Genie. <laughs> Quite possibly the greatest thing I've ever um, seen. So how uh, old were you when you were doing that? I would have 25, been 20, 24. Yeah, right right there, 20. Yeah. And so if you would have told 25-year-old Chris, like, hey, at some point in your career, you're going to be, like, in music ministry. Um. Well... I guess one of the parts that we actually missed, too, when I came and was done with uh, school up at Northern, I came back, and because I was living at home, I started going to church again, where I grew up at New Life Lutheran in Bolingbrook. Okay. Um, that's where I did a ton of my singing as well. I, okay. I, I grew up so singing in choirs there. always a big part. Uh, that was always a huge part of my life, you know, part of the uh, youth program there, singing in all the choirs. Uh, so I came back. To new life and started directing the high school choir. Oh my gosh, how funny! So while I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, didn't have my degree in music. I did come back and start teaching in that way. How beautiful! And how many kids were in that choir? Oh, there were twenty-five. Also a good size. A good size. Yeah, the high school choir was really good. Now, 
the cool thing about that, I'm going to, all these side stories, I'm telling you, it's really crazy how this whole thing works and how we actually end up coming to our saviors. So Pastor Al, I knew him before he was Pastor Al. And Brad Creighton, you know, he was the youth director right? here. I directed Brad and Keith, his brother, in that choir. So they attended that church. They attended New Life. Oh, how funny. And Pastor Al became a pastor later on in life? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So he did what? You know what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, you, we need to reach out to him to get him on the show sometime, too. Yeah, that's saying. interesting. So what was he doing before he was a pastor? He just went to that church. He, yeah, they he had just kids. went to that church, and I, he was always Mr. Creighton. Yeah, and then while you were there, he became pastor. No. Oh. No. So after yeah, so after I left there, then I think he may have been working, starting uh, doing that seminary process. when I came back when I was in you know, okay. finished college. So I think it was right about that time. Um, and I, so then that's how you started coming to our saviors was him. Well. Um, it was probably because of that, because when Tammy and I walked in the doors, this was after you know, we started coming randomly. We were kind of creasters at that point, sure. you know, and trying to figure everything out because I was still in my mid 20s. Mm-hmm. And we, I wanted to go to church again because as much as I loved New Life where I grew up, uh, she didn't necessarily want to drive that far. And, you know, we were trying to find something closer to home. So we came here, walk in the door, Pastor Al's greeting people on after one of the services and I think Brad was standing across from him at that point and you know just greeting people and I'm like well this is kind of homey yeah <laughs> you know and ended up talking to them a little bit and, oh how funny Chris yeah and I'm trying to remember when it was that Kristen Reed when she saw me she saw you walk in she says yeah. yeah, but I don't remember if it was that time or if it was yeah, one of the other times. Was it your first time or was yeah. it just a time? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where I remember her ended up, she saw me and she knew who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. Creepy. And she ended up telling Lynn, Lynn about me. <laughs> yeah. Saying, you need to talk to that guy and get him to sing. How So Lynn came out, funny. you know, claws out, you know, ready to, I shouldn't say claws you out. You were open to it. Well, yeah, she came up to me. She was in music. She yeah. talked to me about that. And, you know, she, she was like fishing or whatever and uh-huh. set, the, set the hook and uh-huh. uh, started reeling me in. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that, okay, so back up because you came <laughs> here with your bride. So you are selling carpet and you're singing carols and you're doing ock rock on the weekends and you're just crushing life, living large. And all of a sudden. Um, I'm trying to think of that, too. So right when Tammy and I got married, because I ha- also had a condo in Bolingbrook at that time, too. So Tammy and I, we met. She, Let me go back to my Tammy story. How about go. that? There you go. Um, Tammy was brought to one of my concerts by a friend of mine from high school. Okay. And he reached out to her and said, hey, do you want to go Was this a it? date? I think it was. Oh, uh, a date yeah. went wrong. It, it, it was. Really it's took like, a turn for that poor guy. <laughs> do you want to go see my friend sing in an acapella rock group? She's yeah. Like, What's acapella rock? Yeah. I said, well, just just come with me. And so it's she like ended up. rock. Yeah. <laughs> Aka great is what it is. Aka awesome. So she ended up coming to see me at a concert in Niles. And after the concert was over, you know, he obviously introduced me and. Um, we ended up going back to the guy that started the group, went back to his house and had a party after this concert. And there were some other people that I had no idea that they were even at this concert. People that I hung out with at a, at a bar or whatever ended up coming up and they saw this concert. So I kind of knew them too. And everybody got invited back to this party at my buddy's house. Well, we all started talking and you know, I was kind of interested in Tammy, but then the other two girls that were there, there was a girl that was interested in me there too. And then we ended up going to Baja Beach Club this after this party. Lots of it. Yeah, Tammy could go into a whole story about that too. But ultimately, I was kind of flirting with Tammy the whole night. Um, but so what's this boy doing that brought her? Yeah. He, <laughs> her was date? Just, he was just my. I think it was more of a friend date. He, it was right at the very beginning. You of, think it was a friend date? It sounds yeah, aka awkward. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So then the I'll night let ends. I'll tell you that story, and uh, she can clarify some things. Because the uh, night ends, and then what happens? Um, 
I wanted to find out a little bit more about her. And but she's not on Facebook because there's no Facebook. That's right. And you know, it, it just ended up being a nice evening. We had fun, and uh, I ended up calling her. I did have her number. Or I got it because she was working in a recording studio, which was the other reason why my friend kind of real tie in. He, he was trying to say, "Hey, you should get this guy to to come in and do she some own recording. it or yeah, she owned a recording That's what studio." I not just working there. She kind of a baller. Yeah, called yeah, Full Circle in, in Lyle. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to get all the story correct. So you call her up and you say... There will be no fact check. Yes, I, I want to record with you. Or No, I just called her up. I said it was really great meeting you. And I called her the nice work play. number. Nice play. Um, and she sounded so disinterested. Oh, really? So played dis- it cool. Well... Evidently, she was freaking out on the other side. Yeah, right, but it didn't come and, across. Yeah, and because she was just talking to her business can, partners. Can we role play? Can oh. you, Marnie? Can Hi. you be Chris? Yeah, I oh, want you to be hey, Chris yeah. and you be Tammy. Okay. I'm really busy. Oh no, I'm Chris. <laughs> yeah, you're Chris. Oh, you had a great time. Remember? Hey, just had a real great time the other night talking to you. Thought I'd yeah. call you in your recording studio. <laughs> no, now you be Tammy. Yeah, it was nice meeting you. Oh, I mean, yeah, and like I just and evidently she's. Tr- motioning to her business partner. <laughs> he's calling. He's calling me yeah, on the phone. Yeah, yeah And yeah. I'm going, there's nothing. Giving no rhythm. <laughs> giving no nothing rhythm. at all. And I'm like, well, I just thought I'd call and say hi and thanks for you know, hanging out. <laughs> and she's like, oh. okay. I don't remember how I, it yeah. really was. It was just <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> I like and it. I'm going, okay, well, that that didn't work. And, That's awesome. Um, ulti- <laughs> yeah, ultimately, she ended up, uh, because at that point, obviously, no Facebook, no, right, right, no right. other way. She just knew that my name was Chris Brown, and I lived in Bolingbrook. So she ended up going through the phone book, looking at all the Chris Browns. M. And she started calling people. She did not. She did. I bet you there were a lot. There were, but I don't remember how many people she called, but ultimately that's it got down to like three, three people or whatever. Hi, and, are you Chris Brown, the one that she sings? Heard my voicemail. Yeah, the singer? She got my, my message. Answering my, machine. My answering machine, yes. And did you have a cool answering machine or just... Did you sing on it? Yeah. No, I didn't sing on it. Yeah. Okay. So she gets the answering machine. Yeah. Hi. And uh, left me a message and said, you know, I, I really appreciate you calling and... You know, I'd really like to see you again. And, yeah, from that point on, I ended up calling her back, and we had talked every day since. Oh, and how long did you guys date before you got married? Um, Two years. Two almost, years. Almost two and, years. And so let's get into this part of the story, because mm-hmm. she came with some roommates. She did. And she that didn't intimidate you at all. Yeah, so at that point, I was 26 years old. That is young. Yep. And, and she had, how old were the boys? So at that point, they were nine, six, and four. Yeah. That's not nothing <laughs> yeah. for 26. Yeah. And uh, so the first year that we dated, uh, they went to their dad's house every other weekend sure. and every Wednesday. So those were our date nights. Yep. That's when we would go out. And I... They knew who I was after a while. They they knew that I was around, but I the never, name. I never spent any time with them whatsoever. Uh-huh. And then after a year of dating, I'm like, you know what? I really kind of like you, <laughs> and you know, I think that if this is going to progress, you know, I need to spend time with the boys. And so I started introducing me into that part of her her life and got to meet the boys and they were great kids. Uh, they ended up coming out to see me sing. I think it was like Elmhurst Fest or something like that. And where Tammy knew, where she says that she knew that I was the right guy is when after the concert happened, you know, and there's, it's a festival. So there's rides, games, food, that sort of thing. You know, I, I got the guys together and I said, okay, if something happens and you guys get lost or get separated from us, you see that tent with the red and white stripes on it, I want you to go there. And she's like, you know, in her mind, she says, okay, what 26-year-old does that? Yeah. You know, yeah. stops 
to think about the kids. A hundred percent. And so did they like you? Or were there times yeah. where that was rough? Or? No, I, I was, uh, at least from <laughs> Jesse's eyes, which is the middle son, uh, he evidently went home and told his dad that mom was dating a rock star. Oh, yeah. Know, and, and I went, I had the long hair and I had the whole look and, and younger. And yeah. yeah. And honestly, you know, I don't truly know how he felt at that point. You know, speaking of Tammy's ex-husband, um, I'm sure he was very guarded. Sure. You know, new guy coming in. Right. Know, musician, um, that sort of thing. So it was a little rough at the beginning. There was nothing that was horrible about it. But, you know, obviously there was a tension there. Um, and I, I just don't, I think he was probably being very guarded and protective, which, I mean, I don't blame him at all. Right. But to this day, I think once we decided that we were getting married, um, it was like, I, I think he settled into the idea that, you know, I, I was okay. At yeah. least, and our relationship has just grown since then, <clears throat> and is absolutely incredible. I mean, there's a lot of families out there that are divorced and don't have great relationships with their exes. Uh, we go out and we can get together, go out to dinner on our own if we want. We it was always about the boys and making sure that they were well taken care of. And what do you think about Chris let him allowed him to be that? Because I think that is there's a certain amount um, of humility there uh, to say, I'm going to honor your dad. I'm going to be who yeah. you need me to be. I don't know. That's a certain character. Because you're right. That's not the rule of thumb. I would say that's a so, hard road to walk to be that above it all. I'm, I'm super close with Chris. Uh, and I would say, and I've said this about both Chris and Tammy, like you can't write a book about how families should act or can act. Right. They are, I think, lucky in so many ways for mm-hmm. having um, the the right people in their family to be to, to so they can come together when they need to. But then at the same time, they're just as complicated as your family or my family. So like there's no this is how it is. Chris, I think I think the world of Chris and Tammy, um, how they parent. Um, I think Chris is in a very unique situation. Yes, because he is not their dad. Uh, but they respect him. Well, they have and a now, relationship. Especially like the four year old. Like, you've been in his life since, like, really all that he remembers. Yeah. And and that was probably one of the toughest <laughs> things for me, too, because I've always said that, you know, I'm not your dad. But I am I, an I, important but, but person. I, I'm, I'm a father figure. Yeah. And, you know, I want, you know, I hope that you respect me, and I've always looked for respect that way, and, you know, they've given it. And we've had a great relationship with, with all the boys. Um, you know, but there were times that I, at least in my mind, I felt that I had to back off at times too, because I'm going, okay, that's kind of their dad's thing. Their dad took him fishing and hunting. And, um, while I might have wanted to do that, like if I had a boy, I probably would want to do some of those same things, but I'm going, okay, this is not really. So he takes me fishing and hunting every once in a while. That's really respectful, though, and sensitive. You are just that guy. You are, um, that is a unique thing about you, that your masculinity also shines within its uh, very tender sensitiveness, I think, that makes you a special dude. Um, Talk to us about Riley um, and how excited you were when Tammy, how did she tell you she was pregnant? Well, um, that's another interesting story because... (laughs) Tammy, after having her third child, had her tubes tied. Okay? So I was also coming into a relationship, getting married to somebody that I was potentially not going to have kids with. Uh Uh-huh. Which, you know, I always thought that, I mean, growing up, because I had dated a girl all the way from eighth grade all the way through high school into college. Shut up! (laughs) Yeah. Wait, eighth grade, four or five, and then in college? 
in, in college till Six, my sophomore seven, year. Seven years. Yeah. Oh, I hope she's doing well. <clears throat> she is. Okay, good. Yeah, she's doing really well. So yeah. she has her tube side. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just, and when Tammy and I got married, the questions were coming out from the family going, what are you doing? To, for your side of the family. My side of the family. Because you're they young and don't, you know, do you want to have a baby? Yeah. They're, yeah. It because was. we have 17 on our side. <laughs> yeah. So what's wrong with you? Um, yeah. And it was, I said, but, you know, I love her. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just knew that there was something special there with Tammy. And um, so, you know, they ended up supporting me. But it was, and it's just like the boys right now. If any one of them you know, was dating somebody that had kids. And I would probably be questioning them hard as well. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what you're getting into? Mm-hmm. You know, my oldest brother had uh, married somebody that had a child, and he ended up getting divorced, you know, not long after that. Um, it's you know, not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. It, yeah, it's just very tough. And, you know, so I everybody was trying to think about me and how to protect me and making sure that I was thinking everything through. And you were like, I'm with this smoking hot babe. I'm good. Yeah, and I was totally comfortable with that. But as we had alluded to, you know, Tammy had her tubes tied. And she said, you know, I really want to see if there's a way that we can we can do this. Because we did. We wanted to have a child together. So she'd been watching Oprah or something. And this there's a guy, Dr. Berger, that was on Oprah that had had a really high success rate of doing tubal reversals. And she looked into doing it around here Mm -hmm. and it was just astronomical. Mm. It was like, I don't know, ten, twelve thousand dollars to do something like that. And we're going, eh, I don't know if this is gonna be possible for us. But Dr. Berger, who was from North Carolina, um, was doing it as an outpatient procedure at his place. So we did the research. She got testing done, found out she was a candidate to be able to have this procedure done. He had the success rates that he had was just crazy. Yeah. And we're going, well, let's give this a shot. So we flew down to North Carolina. Oh my goodness. Riley's a Southern baby. Mm -hmm. Flew down to North Carolina. From the Oprah doctor. I love Oprah. I was raised on Oprah. I was a latchkey kid. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Tammy just did her research about the whole thing. And uh, it worked out well. Went down there. She had the procedure. uh, And then you guys kissed in a garage. (laughs) (laughs) Between two cars. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it... And it worked out so well, obviously. What? Sorry, no, I'm, I'm thinking totally back to Gary Tupac's <laughs> interview where he kisses a girl behind a brick wall. <laughs> and we're like, did you ever take Patty behind the brick wall? And you just did this to, to Chris. And you're like, hey, oh, uh, you ever take... We, we've kissed between some cars. I bet you It's his uh, place where he can come out of a shell a little He's bit. He's like, listen, this is, my, this is my place. This is my zone. <laughs> That's awesome. So then you have <laughs> Riley, and that experience is just so extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, the whole thing is just surreal. The yeah. fact that we went to North Carolina, had that awesome. all that stuff done. Um, and funny, funny little side story with this, because you know we had Dr. Berger as our doctor that did the procedure. The anesthesiologist was fries, Dr. Fries. <laughs> burger and fries. So, yes, I said we, had, we had a burger and fries. Does Riley love McDonald's? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And so now she's going to graduate. So this is kind of a really yeah, new phase of life for you guys. 17 years old now. Yeah, that's epic. Does she she's know what she's really doing next year? Girl. She's going to go to Carthage. She's got uh, accepted to Carthage. So we're talking real hardcore about oh. it. Yeah, she, well, she's... <laughs> I'm kidding, world. Uh, <laughs> she's thinking. She's looking. She loves Butler. Yeah, Butler, I think, is still her first choice. Yeah. She has now been accepted to North Central College, uh, Carthage, Butler, Xavier, and Dayton. Yeah, but Butler was kind of the front runner, right? Yeah, she hasn't visited the last two Dayton and Xavier yet, which she still wants to. But Butler, I think, is the front runner. Yeah, the size um, she really yeah, liked. You yeah, know, like 5,500, so it's larger than high yep. school. Yep. She was concerned about going to a smaller school. Totally. Um, but that's she, exciting. When we went to Butler, she just really liked the feel of it, even just driving in, going, okay, this is what I feel college feels like feels like yeah i love it um so what's your favorite thing about working here 
it's just a joy to come to work every day and work with the people that I work with. So you love your coworkers, specifically the one to your right. Yeah, just checking. Oh, Pastor Brian? Yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't say favorite pastor. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so you love your coworkers, and that is really yeah, the part that fills you up. Yeah, being able to come in here and and work on on planning things and, and building a worship that hopefully is going to connect with people and and make them feel welcome, invited, and that they will learn something during the time that they're here. You know, because well, our I mission just, being knowing knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Well, I would say you do it really well. And I would just say as a member of Celebration, um, what a joy it is to be in your capable hands and to just feel that safety of worshiping in that space and knowing um, that those words can be prayers while we worship, I think is a really beautiful moment in how um, intentionally you are about connecting it to the pastor's words. Um, so thanks for doing that from all of us because I Thank think you. that you are you are clearly doing what you're meant to be doing. So we're lucky to it. have you. Yeah. yeah I love it. Um, I, I, I just don't think, I don't think people, I don't know that people always realize, yeah, how worship is done specifically in the contemporary uh, service, um, how well it is done for the Lutherans who don't always um, kind of feel comfortable in a contemporary worship. So when I go to other churches um, and they attempt it, it feels forced. Uh, and, and Chris's approach is to, I think, get people to be more and more comfortable on stage, out of their music, not performing, but engaging in worship. And um, I, I love how he approaches uh, worship. And, and so he, to me, is a solid leader and, and is taking us to newer places um, and is willing to play with new ideas. So I think we're very lucky. Yeah, very, very lucky. Thank you. thank you for being here and thank you for giving us your time, even when you're not feeling your most 100% self. I think you came off your best 100% self today. <laughs> so thanks for your time and sharing your love story and your baby stories and all the things. You've been really great. So thank awesome. you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate right. it. Have a good one. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.